0: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
3: Hey guys, it's Candice. I hope you're enjoying your holiday season and staying cozy and warm. I am so excited. As you know, we're using these times during the holidays to re-air some of our favorite episodes. So this week we are re-airing a favorite episode of mine with the one, the only, the legend, the Icon. She has been touring the country and soon I think is going to take over the world. Heather McMahon. I'm sure you all know who she is. I mean, if you're not a fangirl of Heather McMahon, what rock have you been living under? Uh, She's hilarious. Please go follow her on Instagram. Go check out her live tour. It is called the Farewell Tour. She, She is everywhere right now and especially coming to your city. I know it in 2022. Uh, she, we sat down with Heather pretty early on in our podcast and we wanted to have an episode about grief. and Heather was really open about her experience uh, in grief um, with the passing of her father and on her Instagram at the time and and we're so grateful that she was willing to come and sit down on her podcast and and share her feelings, share her story. And because you know it's Heather McMahon, share some laughs. So please snuggle up, enjoy this heartwarming episode with the always hilarious and beautiful Heather
4: McMahon. Hey guys. It's Candace and Kayla, and we are directionally challenged.
3: Yeah, we really thought we'd had it all figured out in our 20s, and then now we're in our 30s, and we're like, what? No, because we don't have anything figured (laughs) out at all. (laughs) We're not even going to act like it. No, but today we are going to take a moment to get some direction from our guest, Heather McMahon. You guys might know Heather from Instagram if you don't follow her. Get on your phone right now. Go to Instagram and follow Heather K. McMahon. She is such a delight. She's open. She's honest. She's raw and real and funny. And we are so proud to be able to
4: call her our friend. And she is going to talk to us today about grief. You guys had been... Um, leaving us comments about wanting a grief episode and we thought we know exactly who to bring on for that because Heather went through um, a really traumatic experience and is here to talk us through what happened to her but as always in true Heather fashion she cracks a ton of jokes and has a really great um, perspective so without further ado here she is and we are back with Heather McMahon. We Hi. are so we've wanted you on this podcast for so long.
0: I am so thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me, ladies. You're
4: finally in LA.
0: I'm in LA. Yeah. <laughs> I'm truly doing the most and the least at the same damn time. <laughs> yeah.
4: Um, you guys
3: know Heather. She's an actress, she's a comedian. You might follow her on Instagram. She is hilarious, which is why we wanted to bring her on our podcast to actually talk about grief. Yes. Yeah. Um, Heather, you've been so open on your Instagram and I think that that's why so many people seek you out is that there's obviously you are hilarious and you can make everyone belly laugh, but you've also been really open and vulnerable about um, your dad's sudden passing. Yeah. And uh, I guess I just, tell us about your dad.
0: Oh, you know, it's so interesting. I never thought I'd be in this position this young. I mean, I'm I'm 31, but my dad passed three years ago um, to cancer. He had pancreatic cancer. But the way it kind of happened was very, it was very quick. So I kind of, when I meet other people who say, oh, you you dealt with cancer, you dealt with cancer, you know, like. I don't feel like I can necessarily connect with them, which is an interesting part of grief is like mm-hmm. trying to find connection with somebody who's been through it because my dad died in seven days. It was like the quickest thing ever. I mean, I kind of act like he just had a heart attack at a Waffle House. <laughs> like that's kind of how oh, I pitch it to people. Cause then when I tell them, oh, it was cancer, but then it was so quick, like we didn't see it coming, um, that was just such a curveball for mm. us. Cause usually when it's an illness, you have some time. Uh, so my dad had pancreatic cancer and they like misdiagnosed him. Uh, with diabetes actually. So he, and I was out living out in LA doing comedy and he wasn't feeling well for a while. Uh, my mom had called me and she's like, yeah, they just think he has diabetes, which he was a heavier set g- Southern guy, you know, <laughs> but it's surprisingly he, that wasn't it. So it was actually pancreatic cancer. Um so it was very quick we rushed him to MD Anderson which was like one of the top uh cancer hospitals in the world and like uh, once we got there I knew he was in the best hands and once we got there and they're like this is going really quick um, I knew there was nothing we could do. So uh, it's just kind of been a whirlwind. Like after my dad passed, he died right before Christmas. So now the holidays are a oh, whole, whole shit different. show. You know, I mean, it is a whole nother level where I used to love Christmas. And it's not that I hate Christmas now. It just, I just, you know, I have different memories associated with that. Um, so I basically picked up my life right after my dad passed and I moved back to Atlanta and straight up went from like living the life in LA to living back at home with my mom in my late twenties, you know, just try to get by because I was trying to help her figure out her new normal. We had a really close family. Um, That's what I was going to ask you. So when you
4: feel like you move home to help take care of your mom and go through all that, are you then feeling that your own grief is postponed in that, that you want to take care of your mother first and then you start to grieve or do you grieve simultaneously through that?
0: It's a mixture of things. So it's funny. Um, when my dad died i realized how the dynamic in the family changed mm-hmm. so my dad was always like the muscle right like now when we go on trips my sister who's the attorney is the brain my mom is the heart and kind of like the bartender <laughs> and then i'm the muscle so i'm the one now who like plans the trips gets the rental car i t- deal with the luggage i mean i outweigh my mom my sister like i, I mean i'm Two of them together is one of me. Um, They're little nuggets. But uh, that's what I do now. Like, I just realized the roles changed, So I kind of stepped in in a way where, uh, yeah, I took on roles that my father had. And therefore, I did kind of postpone my grief Mm -hmm. because I said, okay, I got to jump in and really like be the muscle, just get things done for my mom. And I became very protective of her and my sister. But, you know, this is the biggest thing about grief. It hits you when you least expect it. And what I took away was now that I have other friends who've lost parents or loved ones. Yes. They need you in the moment right after someone dies. But what hits you is the three months later. Yeah. It's at random Costco visit on a Tuesday at noon. I had an absolute freak out on the poor lady that worked at Costco. I went, oh. we were having like a get together, um, and I went to go pick up a couple of things, and I just grabbed my mom's Costco card. Well, I thought it was my mom's Costco card; it was my dad's Costco card. My name is Heather Kyle. My dad's name is Kyle McMahon. So I was like, oh, whatever. I'll just use it. You know, same ID or whatever. Well, of course, it has your photo on it. So when I go to check out, they're like, I'm so sorry, but you can't use this. You know, this is—is is this your dad? And I said, yeah. They're like, well, can you call him? He just needs to update his membership. <laughs> I had a full-on like, well, I can't call him because he's friggin' dead moment in Costco. Lost my mind, stormed out, and like lost my shit in my car. And then I just had a moment where like, it's so insane that you have to like, just Like, I was laughing so hard to myself. I was like, I just lost my mind on this poor woman who was like handing out samples or running the membership at Costco. So, um, it's those moments where it's the little things, it's not necessarily the big holidays that get you, it's those you know, four you o'clock on a Friday yeah. at the big holidays, right? You can prepare yourself right. for that. What you can't prepare
4: yourself for is the Costco right. moments, right? Well,
3: speaking of preparing yourself, so you're living in LA, you essentially, then you get a call that your dad's not doing well and he's in the hospital and you have to come home. Right. And you said it was over seven days. Right. Did you know that it was going to happen that quickly? Was there time to process, like a lot of people that lose loved ones to cancer, there is that, Process time. Process time.
0: Did that exist within that week? It didn't really. You know what's really weird? I'm not trying to get like too philosophical. So my parents were supposed to come to my best friend's wedding down in Puerto Rico, and so I flew down there on a Friday. Friday is when my dad went to the hospital, mm. but because my mom came home one day and he was totally jaundiced, so they just thought it was. So my parents called me. And they're like, "Hey, we can't come to the wedding. We think it's your dad's gallbladder." I knew as soon as my mom got on the phone and they truly did not know, they didn't find out he had cancer till about three days later till I flew home to Atlanta and then we got him um, to a hospital in Texas. I knew something told me and I turned to my, you knew it family. was cancer. I knew it was cancer and I knew he was dying. So I turned to my fiance and I said, who had just flown in from New York to this wedding in Puerto Rico. And I said, my parents aren't coming. I think there's something, I think my dad's dying of cancer. And he was like, you're crazy. You're crazy. There's no way. And I kept texting my sister. I was like, let me know if something serious is going on because I, I, I know something serious is going on. Well, no one would tell me what was going on while I was at the wedding. Cause they didn't want me to freak out and still enjoy my best friend's wedding. And I flew home that Sunday. And I looked at my best friend who I was sitting with on the flight. And I said, I, my sister's about to pick me up from the airport. And she's about to tell me my dad's about to die of cancer. And sure enough, I got in the car and I looked at my sister. and I go, dad has cancer, doesn't he? And she's like, stage four palliative. Like, how did you know? I don't know what it is. I don't know if God prepared me for it. I don't know if the universe prepared me for it, but something prepared me. Because then as soon as we got to the hospital, my sister and my mom during the process of like my dad actually like you know, like in the ICU passing, they couldn't handle it. And they're like the strongest ones in my family. So it was weird. I'm the Pisces. I'm the emotional one. And in that moment I stepped into, I was making the phone calls. I was getting us to te- on a plane to Texas, you know, to get him to in- into MD Anderson, like all of those things. So I don't know if like God prepared me so that in that moment when I like hit the ground and we had to, you know, figure out what to do, I was able to step into that role because then my sister and my mom like lost it. Well, it's interesting you say that that's kind of the role that you've taken
3: on since his passing as well. Right. Like this muscle, this backbone this of the family. Right. And that already like the week of, like you kind of felt that it kind of called to you and it kind of overtook you and you were ready from the very beginning to be that for your family.
0: Yeah, I just think sometimes God prepares you for things in a weird way. Um, I don't know if that's just because he knew I could handle it. And like when my dad actually passed, I was the only one who was awake. So it was just, Mm. it was the worst seven days of my life. But it was weird when we were at MD Anderson, when they moved my dad from ICU to palliative care. What um, does that mean? And palliative care is basically like, it's like hospice. They're Mm. like, you know what? You're going to, you're, you're on your way out. My dad was like walking and talking. That was the weird thing. Mm-hmm. So the nurses were coming up to us saying like most of the people in ICU were on, you know, feeding tubes and completely incapacitated. And my dad was like cracking jokes. So the nurse came up to me and she's like, I, she was like losing her mind. And she just said, I can't believe that your dad is still like talking. Like, how is he about to die? And I was like, girl beats me. <laughs> like, I don't know. You're the medical professional. <laughs> um, but you're like on that episode of Gray's Anatomy, yeah, yeah exactly, like, I don't um no, but, but it was actually one really funny thing that happened in the hospital, and honestly, so many like in the dark, darkest times, there were so many things that were laugh out loud, funny like that's why I've, i I'm so open about talking about grief is because truly, the darkest things bring the lightest and most joyful things. Just you couldn't make this stuff up. so yeah. one of the anesthesiologists who had to come up to us, they were going to try and perform a um a quick surgery on my dad to see if they could actually save him but they couldn't get his blood pressure to settle down so you can't operate on somebody i mean it would automatically kill him so this anesthesiologist comes around the corner and when i say like joe manganello like the hottest <laughs> most delicious man you've ever seen like his scrub for a deep v he had like a little bit of chest hair <laughs> popping out a rosary bead that was like tucked into the chest hair and he's yes. like I am so sorry, but I cannot, I cannot operate on your father. He just, it just would not be right. He is like my father and he would not make it. And my, he, this man is basically telling us like, your dad's not going to make it. And my mom, turns to my sister and goes, you need to find out if he's single. Like like, that's where we were. You know, it was just those moments where like, you cannot make this up. Um, So so then, yeah. yeah. Did
4: you find it hard to find humor throughout the whole process or did you feel like humor came in as a way of, um, of, as a release?
0: Uh, Yeah, it was a release. And also it was just kind of a surreal experience where you kind of take a step back and it feels totally outer body. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, I'm kind of like jumping all no, over the place, you're but fine. it was interesting. So the night that my dad passed, we finally slept in the hospital with him and, and he was still talking at this. Point, he was still you talking said. and they had had him. I mean, they had him on so much, so many painkillers. It I, like it, it was insane. But I was the only one who was awake when he actually took his last breath. And it was one of those things where I realized I needed to have that moment with my dad. That sounds really weird. Mm -mm. But like, I knew that I could handle it. My mom and my sister needed the mental break because they're the toughest chicks. My sister's an attorney. My mom shows like, you know, no, no, um, (laughs) no emotion ever. She's just like, (laughs) I got this. And I realized in that moment that they needed a break because they could not handle it. But in that moment, I needed to have that last moment with my dad. It was really weird. And I just find this weird piece about it. What was the last moment like? Um, well, I was. Kind of, it was like four o'clock in the morning and I kind of woke up because I heard him struggling a little bit and he just kind of took a deep breath and the room was very cold and he, he was gone. And the nurse came in and looked at me like, Art, did you experience that? And I said, yeah, I think he left. And I had a weird piece about it. I don't mm. know. It's hard to describe. And it was last week would have been my dad's 61st birthday. So those are the little milestones that get me where I'm like, I go to pick up the phone. I'm like, oh, I'm a crazy person. I can't call my dad. Those are the moments that really get me. But, you know, listen, I feel very grateful. A lot of people have daddy issues. A lot of people, you know, don't get along with their parents. I had at the time, 28 wonderful years with my dad. So I feel very blessed, you know? Yeah. And I try and encourage people. If you have a problem with your family, I know that not all problems can be fixed, but life is short. You got to figure it out. And I will say one thing that my dad said right before he was about to pass. He said, listen, I have no regrets. I've done everything I can do. I lived a blessed life. And like, you can't ask for anything more, you know? So I'm grateful that I got those moments to say goodbye to my dad But also on the other end, every like thirty minutes, they're like, "This is it. He's going." And then my dad would pop back up and ask for a turkey sandwich. So we were like, "Dad, just figure it out already." Well,
3: I've heard from a lot of people's experience that there's also like things like the death rattle or the or the the, yeah, there's a lot of physical things that happen to a person when they're dying, like the hearing gasps gasps of air or or being told it should happen any moment, and then it's still like hours or a day later and you're kind of just, it's, were you aware of what was going on in that moment or was it just a complete out of body experience knowing that your dad was going to pass and just trying to be there for him, be there for your mom and your sister and also
0: for you? It was weird because we had gone through the, the, it was up and down and up and down. One minute they could do a surgery, the next minute he was dying. Like, it was just, every 30 minutes, it was, I had grieved a thousand times by the time he actually physically took his last breath. So at that point, I was like, oh, thank God. You Mm -hmm. know, in a way, I was like, just, I don't want Like, the hardest thing for me and the thing that I have flashbacks about is seeing my dad in that vulnerable position. That's where I'm like damn, like being the adult in that situation and and having that role reversal of now he's the child and I'm the parent, which was just like, whoa, that's the kind of thing that keeps me up at night. And it's weird. He died at about 4.50 in the morning and I always wake up at 4.50. Mm. Um, it's just one of those things. But it's a, it's a weird, I wake up and then I can like, piece. I just kind of like, you know, I'm like, Look at the clock. It's 4.50 and I fall right back asleep.
4: Are there ever other moments in your life where you feel like he's with you or other things? The time. Really?
0: All the time. But here's the thing. You have to ask for it. And I believe in heaven. I believe that when you pass, you go on to your next life. But I think if you ask the universe or whatever you believe in for those signs, my dad shows up all the time. He was um, a alumni of Georgia Tech University in Atlanta and a yellow jacket or a bumblebee follows me everywhere to the point where like we could be somewhere in like in Colorado where it's cold, where they don't get bees and there's a bee and people are like, why is there a a bee around here? And I'm like, stop. It's my dad. Don't touch him. (laughs) Like wild. I had not been stung by a bee since I was maybe, I don't know, six. And a week after my dad died, this bee kept following me around and it stung me. Stung me not once, but twice. And I said, like, that's my dad being like, what's up? I'm not leaving you. Like, (laughs) I'm always
3: by your side. I actually remember you on Instagram. You were in Tulum with your mom and sister. And you'd been posting videos of of all the bees that were constant, the wasps constantly swarming you.
0: Everywhere. And they were like, this is not really a normal thing down here. Like, you know, we're in the jungle and we get critters, but we don't get Mm. this intense thing. And it was actually, I posted that photo on the anniversary of his death. And it was weird. I was sitting at breakfast one morning and there, I could, I mean, there were just bees everywhere, like sitting on my coffee cup and it, but they're just like, I feel, I mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it, but it's just a very like serene, surreal, like, nah, I'm just hanging out with my dad. So I don't know. And and, and some people have reached out to me and they say, you know, I've asked my dead loved one um, for a sign, but I don't know. I just maybe because I'm a Pisces, I'm open to it. <laughs> you know, so, I could just be like getting uh, attacked by a swarm and I don't realize it, but um, I think it's a sign.
4: So you seem religious, right? Yeah. From, you, from what you've been saying. Do you yeah. feel like that was something that really helped you through the grieving process?
0: Yes and no. Um, this is going to sound so crazy, but I'm really going to tell you a story. One of the reasons why I felt so comfortable when my dad did die is because my dad had been in a really terrible car accident when he was about 20 and he'd had an outer body experience. So my dad, when he was passing said, I've been to the other side and I've seen it. My dad was like a real funny Southern ball buster, like, you know, smoked cigarettes, shot it straight kind of guy. But when he had had that experience, it had completely changed his life. Um, His, his younger brother had passed a year before that car accident in a car accident himself. And so um, my dad was getting operated on and he saw his body leave himself. And in the top of the operating room, there was a choo-choo train and a teddy bear in the top of the room. They purposely place that in the hospital for people who have outer body experiences because every time that the person comes to or wakes up, they always say, why is there a teddy bear and a choo-choo train up in the top of the room? So my dad in this outer body experience had gone to the end of the tunnel, seen his brother and his brother's like, listen, I'm okay. I'm all right. You need to tell mom and dad I'm good. This is not your time. You got to go back and do a lot of things. And then my dad and his brother said, it's going to hurt really bad, but you're going to make it. My dad woke up, came to, and the first thing he said was, why is there, you know, a teddy bear and a choo-choo train up in the in the operating room? So at that moment, my dad's like, I've seen the other side. It's a beautiful place. He told me in the hospital, he said, I know where I'm going. I'm not afraid. Now, I know. Your listeners are probably <laughs> like, whoa, this one. Did she smoke I peyote before this. she came in here? But- so he had shared that experience and that story with me. So I just felt like he knows where he's going. Mm-hmm. He knows that there's another place over there. And um, so I, I felt very at ease. Like I know he's in a better place. And here's my thing. With, with the religion side of it, I would get very bitter and say, why did this happen? Why did this happen to my family? We're faithful. Why, why God, why? But then I realized this. When it's your time to go, it's your time to go because you probably peaked as a person. <laughs> and that's a good thing, right? Right. So my dad had sold his business at 45, you know, had no regrets, had traveled the world, had such a loving relationship with my mom. He had done all the things he wanted to do. So I figure if you're still on this earth, it's because you either have to learn something, you have to teach somebody something, or um, you still have something to experience. So if you're gone, you peaked, you're good. (laughs) It's time to go. It's a wrap, you know? So that's kind of how I justify it in my mind where I'm like, they always say the good die young, but it's because- They did everything they needed to do. And even if they didn't get to experience anything, they were able to share something with other people that they could take away.
3: I'm assuming you didn't just come up with this the week after he passed. No, No, three years in. Yeah, there's been a process. Um, There's also, I feel like, obviously, you lose in death and grief you lose a loved one and then there's also the business of dying there right. is the fact that there are accounts and cell phones and and planning a funeral and costco ha- cards Costco, costco cards, cards, going yeah. through a closet of clothes uh-huh. um do you remember that time very vividly or did it kind of feel like it it
0: happened in slow motion it's weird i'm not very attached to the physical things um I'm a glutton for punishment sometimes. And I have my old cell phone with voicemails from my dad and I'll listen Mm. to them once a year and then I'll have a, just a full on mental breakdown. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm good. Um, it's hearing his voice. It's seeing photos, but the the tangible things like his clothes, I don't know why I'm not as connected to those things. Um, but the business side of dying is a whole nother level. We had people coming out of the woodworks that were looking for money like, oh, hey, by the way, your dad said that, you know, he was going to help me with this business adventure. My mom's like, "Uh, no, sorry. Well, he's not here anymore. So you do kind of get very protective of yourself because even when you think people are close to you, they will come out of the woodworks asking for a handout. Well, And how dare someone take advantage of you in that state? One hundred percent. And my mom, of course, is dumb as a fox. She's like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not going to give you anything. (laughs) But it is interesting. We lost a lot of friends just who were kind of, you know, saw an opportunity to try and strike while the iron was hot with my mom. My mom's was like, what do you think? I'm an idiot. Well, like, then no. those aren't your friends. No, absolutely not. Wow. Um, and another thing that was interesting is I didn't realize like my dad was so influential in, you know, in the community in Atlanta. I thought that I was the only one grieving and, I would go to lunch with my dad's friends, you know, six months down the road and these grown men would just lose their mind, you know, just start weeping at lunch. I'm like, God, get it together, Gary. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're at a nice restaurant. I'm embarrassed. But I didn't realize that I wasn't the only one grieving. So grief does feel like a very selfish thing where you're like, I'm the only one who feels this. But I didn't realize how many other people my dad um, – had been, you know, an influence on. And so that was interesting. That was very humbling where I'm like, God, I got to be a rock for other people too. I still have my moments. Um, but this is my biggest piece of advice. People ask all the time, okay, well, what do you do? I say, if the feeling comes on, you honor the feeling, you release it. And then you, you forget it, let it go. There are days I'm driving in my car song comes on that reminds me of my dad. I weep, I, I scream, I do my thing. Then I go get a cookie. I get my <laughs> blood sugar back up. And then I say, all right, we're moving on. But I think the biggest thing when you when you just push it down and you don't feel it, feel it in the moment. It's okay to cry on a Wednesday. It's okay, yeah. do it. And then honor it and then let it go.
4: Hey guys, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
1: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why UnitedHealthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
4: It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good back. What I hear from you that is so fascinating and I really respect is this idea that you're not hard on yourself and you don't have this expectation of yourself on how to handle it, right. that if it does come up, you don't judge yourself. There's yeah. no a sen- a sense of judgment on your uh, on your feelings. Right. And I think that that's amazing. And I'm not sure everyone has the ability to handle it like that. And maybe three years in, it becomes easier. But that first stage of, of grief is denial.
0: Did you right. experience that? It wasn't necessarily denial. My mom definitely went through it Mm -hmm. where she would just kind of float around the house, you know, couldn't really figure it out um, that my dad was gone. I, it shook me to my core. I never denied that my dad was gone, but I would have those aha moments where I'd go to pick up the phone and call him. And I'm like, I'm trying to call a dead guy. Like, you have to laugh. You're like, okay, I'm the crazy person who like, just tried to call my dad. Father. Yeah, I'm like, this bastard. <laughs> it's so funny. Sometimes when telemarketers call, my favorite thing is because I have a sense, <laughs> sense of humor is, but like, you know, is Kyle McMahon there? And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't seen him in three years, but if he doesn't get, let us know where he is, this deadbeat, you know, I mean, it truly tickles me pink to, um, um, mess with people like so that. So then, did you just go straight to anger? Because I know uh, that's the second step. Did you just get angry? I went straight to binge eating, truly.
4: Yeah. <laughs> they don't
3: tell you about that one. Uh, that's but the I, seventh step. Yeah. It's sweet treats. No, but that
4: third step is bargaining, which is like struggling to find meaning and like trying to, you know, all that kind of stuff. So
0: I wonder if that is what that is. um Yeah. I mean, I definitely went to anger. I, I was more bitter about how my life had changed. Mm. It wasn't, I was angry that my dad was gone, but then when I was sitting at home in Atlanta, in my mom's house, having to like help her figure it out, because everybody grieves differently. That's yeah. what I've learned. My sister cho- chose to remove herself completely from her family and like just bury herself in work. And then I got resentful towards my sister because I'm like, I picked up my entire life. I'm living in Atlanta, helping mom. And where have you been? She's. She said, Heather, that's what you're good at. I can't handle that. And she's 20 minutes down the road. Um, so that's where my anger came in. And then the bargaining is like, okay, all right, well, you know, our, let's figure out how what we're going to do. How are we going to figure this out? You, you truly like make up crazy stuff in your mind um, of why things happen. But then, you know, three years down the road, I've had this epiphany. Well, he peaked. And it really makes me sleep better at night. <laughs> like, no, my dad was just really, truly the best. And like, he couldn't have gotten any better. So we had to go. Like, <laughs> I love, I love that
4: theory. Were you ever depressed or anything like that going through it? Because I know that sometimes uh, sure, it's a huge step you for not hear me
0: talk about binge eating? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, well, so that's yeah. how you handled that. Oh yeah. I just like would like really go hard in the paint and just, you know, get a full rack of ribs and just have a moment. Mm-hmm, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Cause like I- TV on, on the couch. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh Yeah. Um and not like really truly like in an unhealthy way, but I was just like, you know what, life's short. I'm gonna have cake. Yeah. But yeah. When you have cake at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it becomes like now my pants don't fit, so I had to reel it back in. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just a wild ride. Mm-hmm. During that time, did you
3: look for? Did you have a therapist that you were talking to? I, I know a lot of. Um, I've heard so many people refer, reference grieving loved one sorry to read Joan Didion's magical year of thinking like was that something that I ever did came see a on? therapist
0: so i I definitely think I had situational depression. It wasn't something that had been lingering before that like just straight up, I am almost thirty at my mom's house mm-hmm. going through my dead dead shit like when you just say it out loud, you're like, okay, um yeah. I- it would be weird if you were happy doing right. that. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, that would have been
3: denial to the max. Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: The, the biggest thing was I had to go to therapy just to learn how to deal with my mom. And my yeah. mom and I have such a close relationship. But now that I had stepped into this different role, my mom was almost treating me as her husband. Huh you know, where I like, we got in the car one day to go to lunch. She got in the back seat and she was like, I just want to feel like I'm being Ubered around. I was like, I'm not your chauffeur. I'm like, what did she sh-? like that kind of thing where I realized my dad had always just like treated her like a queen and, and been that protector, whatever Robin wants, you know, cause they had such a loving relationship. I was like, mom, you know, we, we, I, 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 you can't treat me like this. Um, so that was what I had to do. I had to go to a therapist to figure out how to deal with my sister and my mom, even though we were all super close. And my therapist is like, "Listen, you have a healthy outlook on what happened. I still have my moments, but that was it, that was what was hard navigating is that new normal and that family dynamic." Yeah. So that was super eye opening, but I never went to like a grief counselor. I went to a regular therapist. People said you should go to these like you know these cancer um, gr- group settings. I'm like, I cannot sit there and listen to somebody else's sob story. That's not how I can yeah. emote. Because then I just feel like somebody had it way worse than me. Mm-hmm. Truly. You know, mm-hmm. I'm grateful. My dad was such a, a a Southern stubborn man. He would not have survived doing chemo for six months. I wouldn't have wanted to see him go that long. Yeah. So again, I feel very, I have a lot of gratitude that he died quickly. I do. Because mm-hmm. nobody should ever see their loved one suffer like that.
3: Have you talked, do you have friends that have experienced losing a family member to Cancer before that have had the opposite. That yes. Made you realize that? Or? Oh,
0: yes. And with pancreatic, it's one of like, it's like the silent killer. They, you either get it and they're like, okay, go home, there's nothing we can do, or you live for 10 years and you're like this medical anomaly. Um, so, specifically pancreatic cancer, the survival rate's like 0.01%. Um, so, we, when we got that diagnosis, we kind of already knew like, you know, you either got a day or you got, it's just one of those freak things. I saw, many friends, parents pass away to cancer. Really, truly the hardest thing was my best friend, her uh, dad died of Alzheimer's. And that was even more just gut-wrenching, you know? To not be remembered. To not be remembered. My dad could at least say, I love you, goodbye. You know, you're the best. But for her to see her dad disintegrate that way, was just, oh, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah. Going through this process, what did people do that helped you? For our listeners, so if they have someone going through this as well in their life or they are going through it, what
0: helped that other people did? It's making the phone call on that random Tuesday at noon, checking in, bringing food over, being there in the moment's great, but it really, truly does not hit you until, like I said three months, three weeks down the road. It's checking in because that was the hardest thing for me is I'm such a social butterfly and I truly felt like people had forgotten about me. So a lot of my friendships changed and now everybody's come around because they kind of had that aha moment. And I felt like such a jerk. Now moving forward, I'm like, all right, now I know if somebody loses somebody, what they need. Mm -hmm. And I literally picked up the phone and called some of my other friends who'd gone through grief and the same thing as me. And I said, I am so sorry I wasn't there for you four months down the road. And they're like, we're good. And we you get it. And I and I think it's hard. If you've never experienced it, you just don't get it. And then when you do, it hits you like, you know, Mayweather in the gut. And you just realize, wow, it's it's those silent moments. It's later on down the road that you realize you need somebody there.
3: What can those phone calls look like? I think that's the that's the what prevents someone from picking up the phone is what do you say?
0: Totally. I think you just say, hey, buddy, uh, this is some bullshit. How are you doing? You know, it's being honest. I mean, and here's the thing. I had somebody pass, uh, a dear friend of mine had a sibling pass away right after. And I almost felt like I didn't know what to say. Mm -hmm. You just have to be honest. Hey, how you doing? Even just saying, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. Oh, I even said, I was like, listen, I just went through this. This is a load of crap. So sorry. What's up? How you doing? Just a straight, honest conversation. And what should we avoid doing if we have someone that's going through that? Don't talk about how much you can't stand, you know, your mom or dad or your brother or your sister. (laughs) Don't bitch about your family. You know, I really had to look at a couple of friends and go, you know what? I understand that your dad, you know, upset you, but figure it out. Be an adult. Either squash it or cut them out of your life forever. But you you can't sit around and talk to me about how much you can't stand. You know, what your dad, dad? Know your audience. Yeah, 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 know your audience for
3: sure. Um, for you and Jeff had been together for a long time at that Mm -hmm. point. Uh, did you, was, how did that affect your relationship? Was it, did it bring you guys closer together? Was it hard to be there for your partner at the time? Like, cause I think that's a big thing for people as well. He
0: was such a warrior. And, um, he actually, as soon as my dad, we knew it was going south. He flew down and asked my dad for my hand in marriage, which is the sweetest thing in the world. Cause he and my dad had such a special relationship. And of course, are they very similar? They, I'm like truly marrying my father, <laughs> like okay. down to like what they eat for breakfast. <laughs> my uh, Jeff has to have a full lumberjack breakfast. I'm like, okay, you're, you're going to like, you know, work out. You don't need <laughs> seven plates. bacon. Yeah. But he has to have it in the morning. My dad was like always at the waffle house. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there's so many similarities and I feel so blessed that I have such a wonderful partner in life. But my dad, when Jeff asked me, he was like, it's about damn time. You know, um, it had been eight years for our listeners. Yeah. Right? Well, at the time it had been five, oh, five. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I was, I, you know, Jeff knew that was the right thing to do. And, and my dad said, he was like, and he told me, he's like, I gave Jeff my blessing. Like he's a good man. Um, that's, that's what makes me emotional, you know? So then planning
4: your wedding now, how does that affect? Because I think such a big part of your wedding is having your dad walk you down. So
0: then what do you do? Well, have you thought about that? I, I'm thinking I'm going to have my mom walk me down the aisle, but yeah. she's such a diva. She'll probably show up in white and try and <laughs> upstage me because that's just truly who You'll she is. will be
3: fixing her train on the way down. Yeah.
0: For those <laughs> listeners who don't know my mom, she's basically Joan Rivers. So that's what I'm up against. Um, <clears throat> hot body at 71. So I'm just like, mom, you can't. Don't get in better shape than me. Like I'm already set up for failure. That's the thing, too, with planning a wedding is so many... Uh, people, you know, want to throw in their opinion and tell you what to do. And and I have to remind people, hey, I'm probably going to do something a little untraditional because I don't have, my family unit's not together. What truly gets me is my dad was such a life at the party, always the one to make speeches at any event. That's what kills me is to not have my dad, it's not him walking me down the aisle. Mm. I could have my, you know, sister's French bulldog walk me down the aisle (laughs) at this point. It's not having somebody on my side get up and just be, just that moment, you know? That's what kills me. Um, so my sister, who's just a riot, she's like, don't worry, I'll step into that place. That's it. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And just, oh, that's what kills me. But you know what? I, and my friends are family, so I'm excited just to have a party Mm -hmm. and just change the new normal. You know, that's what I connect to. I know you said you,
3: that your dad passed right before Christmas Mm -hmm. and I really do love now stalking you on instagram at christmas time i love you oh, we your, get lit you guys have so much fun you go somewhere different every yeah. christmas this yeah. past christmas you guys went to blackberry farms which i've been dying to go and i'm obsessed with and it's beautiful there it's
0: insane and you'd never think that this like seven star luxury resort is in the middle of tennessee <laughs> it's unbelievable run do not walk to go there but, but so
3: you've changed we keep ourselves what christmas busy. looks like yeah And you've redefined and it's
0: like the new normal. Have you done this
4: since his passing? Now you guys travel or have you always traveled? Well,
0: we traveled towards the end. We were never big gift people. So, um, but now we are like, we're out of town. Uh You know, we cannot stay at home. It's just a non-negotiable the kind of the hard thing is is Jeff's family super traditional and they don't really understand like I said Jeff when we get married like until we have kids I got to be on a beach somewhere I can't be sitting around a christmas tree so that's something that I'm having to negotiate now with you know, respecting his parents, which has been a struggle. But if I got to pull the dead dad card forever, <laughs> I will. I will say, if you've just, even if you've lost somebody 10 years, what I did start doing is I would like scam people at these fancy makeup counters at Saks. I'd walk in and I just like, you know, just look forlorn. And they're like, ma'am, do you need any help? I'm, like, I'm so sorry. I just, I just lost my dad. And I'm just, and they're like, honey, sit down in our makeup chair and then you leave with all the free products. <laughs> So, if you can use that as an excuse, go get yourself some free products at Neiman's or Saks. Oh my God.
3: Yeah. Well, you talk about on your Instagram a lot that you've got, do you have like a jacket that says?
0: Yeah. So, I started the Dead Dad Club, which was just something cathartic for me and my friends who had all lost their parent. As soon as my dad died, My sister's best friend, who's just this funny attorney, he's like, well, welcome to the club, baby. The dead dad club's a special thing. You know, your dad's either dead or he could be a dead beat. So... (laughs)
3: so those I made, are there prerequisites yeah the those are the prerequisites
0: so um i made the dead dad club jacket and we have a patch and a lot of my friends in atlanta wear them when we all get together on father's day and just have like a moment to sit around and drink scotch and bitch you know can can we buy those jackets oh absolutely if
4: our listeners prove that their dad is dead can they buy one of your dead dad jackets? yes
0: and we're actually working on the merch now so <laughs> it'll be launched um soon so stay tuned to the instagram and i'll let you guys know we're hopefully going to get them out by father's day love um which is exciting that's yeah. amazing I, yeah. I
3: love that tradition of getting together 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 with other friends who have also experienced loss like that. And do you feel like that's been a huge
0: part of moving forward? Oh yeah. And it's just, you feel like you have a sense of community and other, you're not alone. And again, when I finally went through that experience, I said, wow, you always think that this is going to happen to other people. And then when it happens to you, your eyes are so opened to you know, it's, it's, a, it's a one degree of separation of somebody who's gone through this. So I kind of had that moment where I really didn't feel alone. Um, so that's the thing. If you've also lost somebody or if you've been through that experience, reach out to people who are going through it and just say, I, I get it. That's all you have to say is I get it or I don't get it, but this is a crock of shit and I'm here for you. That's all people want to know. You don't have to walk on eggshells. It's just being brutally honest. Like this is the worst. Honestly, somebody came up to me at um, my dad's funeral and she's like, well, this is the last place we want to be on a Tuesday. Uh And I was like, yes, thank you. That's the response (laughs) I wanted to hear. She's like, you need a Xanax. I'm like, I'm good. I already got one, but that's what's (laughs) up girl. (laughs) You know? That's, that's um, the the honesty, being honest and just having the conversation about it. It's so cathartic.
3: You mentioned that your dad was so good at speeches. Is there something that he used to say a lot when you were growing up that sticks with you now as an adult? That's
0: kind of a mantra or... Yes, he always said, "Baby, you can't control what happens to you. You can only control your attitude." <laughs> so my life is a constant reminder of just like the craziest things happen to me, or I'm uh, I'm honestly always humbled. So especially like you know being out here and auditioning, <laughs>
3: just go into these rooms <laughs> or, or getting about, well, caught in the back of JoJo's photos on Instagram. Yes, which-
0: absolutely. Um, I'm always just being thrown to the wolves, you know. So I go into these auditions and even if it's the worst audition of my life, I'm like, well, I'm going to walk out there with a smile on my face because I can't control what just happened in that room. But I can't control the fact that I'm going to go to in and out and enjoy a little snack and uh, keep moving on with my day. So that's the biggest thing. And that's something that I try and um, remind people when they're going through grief. You can't control who's going to live or die, but you have to control how you're going to pick yourself back up after it and then Keep moving. That totally feels like your life motto. Yeah. You've done such a good job of that. Thank you. It's true. It's live your truth. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, you know, I'm kind of like a fake it till you make it kind of gal, but I'm like, whatever, this is my truth right now. And I just need to own it and, you know, go from there. And I, I genuinely feel that this, I don't believe when, okay, this is the one thing you don't tell people is everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, Cheryl, it doesn't. <laughs> do not tell people that. That's the number one thing I can say. Don't happen. Okay, don't say don't that. Don't do that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, don't say that. But I do think the way I have been able to be open and honest about it. It's not, it's been so cathartic for me. And then the response I get from my followers who say, you don't know how bad I needed to hear this today. If that's my cross to bear and I had to go through that situation, to help somebody out. Well then so be it. You, you do know? such a good job on social media too, of really telling it like it is.
4: And when you're going through shit, you just admit it. And it's so refreshing and so nice. There's,
0: that's the only way I can be honestly. And I've noticed there's, you know, there's a trend in like social media where people are kind of moving away from that perfect blogger and look mm-hmm. at my life is perfect. People want to relate. People need something to, you know, they want to feel like they're a part of the club. And so if I can share my story and I feel comfortable doing, it, I'm like, why not? I mean, I have pe- I have women message me all the time. Like, you don't understand. I'm 40 and I'm having to like deal with my parent who's dying mm-hmm. of cancer. And I've got, I'm raising two kids and you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's hard on my marriage and all of these things where I'm like, I, I'm, I'm always grateful. I didn't have to deal with that, you know, but they're like you sitting at your mom's house, making jokes about it is really helped me get through it. So I'm, I'm grateful that I can put that out into the universe.
3: Yeah. It's a really positive part of social media when there's beautiful moments like
0: that of, Oh, I'm not alone in the world. Right. Like, look at all these, we're all in it together. Totally. And truly the funniest things have happened around death. And you just have to like sit back sometimes and say, I cannot believe this happened to me, but Oh my God, you have to laugh. You have to. You know, what else are you going to do? Yeah. That's, I mean, I just have to have a glass half full approach to it. Cause if not, it would. Truly kill you, but you your know? glasses have full of what? Aperol spritz. Aperol spritz always, <laughs> always. It's light, it's refreshing. I feel like I'm in Italy. Yeah, yeah. Always Aperol spritz. You
4: guys, if you don't follow Heather, you need to stop right now and do this. Where? What are your socials so everyone can follow you?
0: Um, really, and truly, I'm just like focused on the gram. So it's Heather K, like Kardashian McMahon. Heather K McMahon,
3: and we'll have it on our um, on our notes section. Yeah, well. And also, Heather, you've been very busy. You have a podcast
0: that's going to be coming out. Talk later to us this about. Well, yeah. Well, You have a
3: movie coming out in
0: the spring called yes, The Family. Yes. I have a movie coming out called Family starring Taylor Schilling, Kate McKinnon, Matt Walsh. I'm in it for 30 seconds and you won't really recognize The best me. 30
3: seconds the of the movie. best 30
0: seconds of the movie but it was such a cool experience and you know a glass half full thing. We shot it in Atlanta so here I was you know kind of bitching and moaning about being back in Atlanta but then I got to shoot my first movie there so it all comes full circle. God closes one door he does open another. Um, Yeah and so I'm just like living my truth on the gram so stay tuned. Podcast is coming out Um, stay tuned for those announcements. We're still you know trying to close the deal on that one and I'm just hustling. You might find me on the corner of like La Cienega and Santa Monica just with my thumb out trying to get a job. So look for me out in those mean streets. Whatever works. Whatever works. (laughs) I am not above it. Well thank you for bringing your truth to this podcast today. I think. Thanks for having me. We ladies. love you. And we know sometimes this can be hard to talk about, but clearly it's not hard for you. No, I mean, I might have a nervous breakdown when I leave here, but in the moment, I'm doing a <laughs> okay, baby. It's okay, then just go get a cookie. <laughs> yeah, just get a sweet treat. I'm good. Thank you for having we me. We love ladies. you.
2: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Love you.
4: Wow, I love Heather.
3: (laughs) I loved that she gave us some direction on how to talk with a friend who is grieving. Cause I think that's a really, like you want to say the right thing or do the right thing. And I think what's stopped me in the past when I've had friends going through really tough times is I felt because I didn't know what the right
4: thing was. I just wouldn't do anything at all. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And I didn't want to bring this up to her, but our next door neighbor passed randomly a few weeks ago and Tanner and I felt like we didn't know what to do. And it was that feeling of, do we go over there? Do we give them space? Like, how do we handle it? And it really is a true thing where you, on the outside, you just don't, you want to do the right thing, but you don't know what the right thing is. And I feel like she really helped us now know how to handle it. And I will never again in my life say everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Ever. Because I'm definitely someone who's prone to saying that (laughs) a lot. But I mean, that's, it's, yeah. it's You do want
3: to look at the bright side of things. And I liked that she also was telling us that it's okay to take a moment. And even if you're still, you can still be cup half full and still need to pull over to the side of the road and have a good cry. Yeah. And you can feel all of those things and you can feel the half empty version of that cup. And once you accept it and you can try to let some of that go, you can still be that person that you, you don't have to choose one or the other. It's not, you don't have to be the positive person that has it together. You don't like f- feel like you have to live in your grief at all times
4: that you can kind of, go back and forth between those because it takes time. That's so true. And I think what she does so well and did so well throughout her process is accepting herself in whatever state she was, whenever that was, just accepting wholeheartedly. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. Here we go. And then let's try to, you know, get a cookie afterwards or something (laughs) good and then bring myself back out of it. And um, man, she is strong. I just really respect the way she handled that whole thing. And um, especially at her age, she was 28 when all of this happened. Yeah. And that it's you know that's
3: kind of when you're. I know that we all think that we're growing in adulthood in our in our twenties. And sure, there's an element of that. But um, but you know we're still young in our early twenties. You know you're you're kind of you realize the the responsibility of age as you get older, and and you know and towards the end of your twenties and early thirties as I think when all that gets a little bit more cemented. I mean, we talked about the fact that she's going to get married and, mm-hmm. and you start thinking about like houses or if you want kids or, you know, if you want to get married, what that looks like. And a lot of that has to do with family. So it, what a, I'm just so, honored and humbled that she was willing to come on the podcast and
4: and be so vulnerable and open about what her and her family have been through. Yeah, it's really true. And so for those of you that are going through this or have been through it, and um, if you were one of the ones that asked for this episode, we hope that you got a little bit of something from it. And for those of us who have yet to go through this now when we do, because we all will go through this at some point, now we know what to do and how to handle it, not only for ourselves, but for the people that we love. thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch up with you next week.
3: Bye.